0: Worship freely this morning. This is God's house. The house of prayer. Praise God. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was gri- was going Down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds. Pouring oil and wine on them, he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you especially for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this house. I would ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation that in hearing the word they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. Bless the hearing of the word and the preaching of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. lugar. This is probably one of the best known parables that Jesus tells in his Earthly ministry. And This morning I want to just take a few points of the story to relate to us a message that I believe God would have for us in this time. As we spoke last week, a time when our nation is in great peril. And a time when the church is desperately in need of an awakening and a stirring of the Spirit of God. Jesus talks about a man. He doesn't tell us his name. But he tells us that he was coming down from Jerusalem. This implies that the man was coming down from Jerusalem. He may have been returning home from worship. He may have been one of those faithful Jews who would have traveled to the city of Jerusalem on the feast days in order to offer his sacrifices to God. Perhaps this man was a merchant who was returning from the city of Jerusalem after some business. It's not clear. but We know that this man comes from Jerusalem and he's taking that road to Jericho. And on the road to Jericho he comes among some thieves. The Bible explains that this man fell among thieves. It was an incident that he did not Uh, anticipate. It was an incident which he did not provoke. It was an incident which he had not uh, in any way uh, planned for. It was an unexpected calamity. It was a tragic event. He fell among thieves. Perhaps he was a good and religious man. Perhaps he was a man of faith, but he fell among thieves. Perhaps he was a merchant, a wealthy man, but he fell among thieves. Perhaps he was a man of renown or man of influence. We don't know, but what we know is that he fell among thieves. He came to a point of affliction in his life. He came to a spot on the road when it would seem as though God himself had abandoned him to the circumstances of his day. And maybe this morning, you can think about your life, and you can see moments when you have fallen into calamity, fallen into trials, fallen into affliction. The Bible says that man was made for trouble as the sparks fly upward. As long as there is a a human nature, there's going to be trouble. And Jesus told us, didn't He? He said, in this world, you will have trouble. I've noticed that in all the places I've been, in all the houses where all the godly ladies have put plaques on their wall, no one ever puts up a plaque that says, in this world you will have trouble. That's not the verse we like to quote. It's not the verse that we like to focus on. Because it reminds us that this world is filled with troubles. This world is filled with disappointments and deceptions. This world is filled with moments of bitterness and anxiety, moments of unrest. This world is filled with uh, afflictions. But Jesus said, fear not. In this world you will have trouble, but fear not. In this world you're going to face some trials, but fear not. In this world you're going to have some tribulations, but fear not. In this world you're going to have some pain, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. What a promise. What an indicator of the future. He said, I have overcome the world. This man fell among robbers. The Bible tells us that the enemy, the enemy of your soul is is a thief. Jesus describes him as such and he says the thief came. But to steal, kill and destroy. The modus operandi of the devil is not an unclear thing. It is not something for guesswork. We know what the devil's strategy is. What his ultimate end game is. It is steal, kill and destroy. And I want to let you know, church, that the devil is not your friend, he's not your ally, he's not your buddy, he is your sworn enemy. He is the sworn enemy of man, and his agenda is the absolute destruction of the human race. He is the sworn enemy of this nation, and I believe that the devil has come in and stolen from America. He has robbed America of its values. He has robbed America of its faith. He has robbed America of its peace. He has robbed America of, it, of, of its, uh, of its uh, relationship with God. And like many in this church and many in this city, he's robbed people of the things that are most valuable to them. The Bible said that they, this man fell among robbers and they stripped him. They took everything from him. This is the enemy's strategy to absolutely empty your life. To absolutely strip your life of anything and everything that you could possibly possess. The devil is one of those friends that will take you along as long as it's convenient. And when he's done with you, he will leave you on the side of the road. Left for, uh, completely stripped of all of your dignity. Stripped of all of your hope. And stripped of all of your worth. But there is a greater one than the devil. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to empty man. Uh, The devil came to destroy man. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This man fell among robbers. I don't know why he fell among robbers. Maybe it was because he wasn't watching out for them. Maybe he wasn't alert to the situation around him. He came to this bad, bad time in his life. Because although perhaps he was a good man, he came into this situation. The Bible says that a good man sowed good seed in good soil. But while he slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. You realize that this man, the Bible says it was a good man. He sowed good seed and it was in good soil. But while he slept, while he fell into a place of spiritual slumber, while he fell into a place of, of, uh, of wandering in his spirit away from God, the evil, man, the evil one came, the enemy came, and sowed tares among the wheat. That's why sometimes when you take a spiritual nap, you wake up and there's all kinds of trouble growing up around you. And you wonder, how did this happen to me? Some people woke up a few weeks ago and said, What happened to my country? What happened to America? I'll tell you what happened. While the church slept, the enemy came. And he sowed tares among the wheat. This was a good nation planted with good seed. But the enemy came and he sowed tares among the wheat. The Bible says, Awake, you sleeper. Awake, you sleeper. It's time for a sleeping church in America to wake up. It's time for a sleeping church in Beville to wake up. It's time for a sleeping Christian at Kingsway to wake up. This is the day of awakening. He says, Awake, you sleeper. And Christ will shine on you. Are you sleeping this morning, Christian? Have you fallen asleep at the switch? Have you fallen asleep on the tower? You're supposed to be watching But perhaps your eyes have grown heavy and weary with sleep. I'm here today to tell you it's time to wake up. It's time to get alive again. It's time to be on the alert. It's time to be aware of what's going on around you. And to take your authority in the place and in the name of Jesus. Now I'm not going to spend too much time with this. But the scripture says that a priest came by. A man that should have had compassion on this poor man left for dead. But he walked on by and then a Levite came by and he walked on by. There was this man, he had been stripped, he had been beaten and he was left half dead. And it would seem as though nobody cared about him. And then the scripture says that a Samaritan man came by. One of the the racial divides of Israel was with the Samaritans. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, the Bible says, but this man was a Samaritan. And he saw a man in need. He saw a man who had been stripped of everything he had. A man who had been beaten down by life. A man who had been left half dead by these robbers. And the scripture says that he felt compassion for him. Can I tell you this morning that we have a God who feels compassion for us. We could not reach Him. We could not come to Him. So He came to us. We could not go to where He was. So He came to where we were. Having been robbed and stripped and left for dead by sin, Jesus saw you and He had compassion on your soul. He saw me and He had compassion on my soul. He saw us bleeding and dying on the side of the road, hopeless without God. And yet He was moved with compassion for us. I love the story in the Gospel of Mark of a man who was, the Bible says, possessed by a legion of devils. 2,000 demons. You think the one that's chasing you around is trouble. Imagine having 2,000 demons. This man was possessed by the devil. He had been stripped. He had been left for dead. He was among the sepulchers, an outcast of society. No one wanted him. No one cared about him. And on the other side of the lake of Galilee, that great sea in the, in, the, in the region of Galilee, was a man named Jesus. Jesus was preaching the great Galilean crusade. More than two, 20,000 people had gathered to hear the words that would fall from His lips. All day long, spellbound, that crowd heard Jesus teach. But then the Bible says that as the day began to end, Jesus said to His disciples, Get on the boat. We're going to go to the other side of the sea. Maybe they would have said, Lord, the people are over here. The crowd is over here. You haven't even gathered the offering yet. And it would be a shame for us to leave this great crowd. You could plant a megachurch right now. But Jesus said, no, we're going to the other side of the sea. They got on that boat and they crossed that sea. The Bible said they crossed that sea in the midst of a storm that night. But when they got to the other side, Jesus didn't go to visit some fine restaurant. He didn't go shopping at the outlets of Gadara. He went because there was one man who was desperately in need of rescue. There was a soul crying out for help. I don't know, maybe you're the one person God showed up for this morning. He might have His eye right on you, friend. And He's saying, I know where you are. I know what you've been through. I know what sin and darkness have done in your soul. And I have come to help you. That's just how much He cares for you. And this Samaritan felt compassion for this man who had been left bleeding and dying. And then the scripture says that he poured oil and wine on his wounds. Do you know that the oil is the symbol of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? When you see the oil in the Bible, it reminds you of that sacred third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. It reminds us that God is a healing God. The oil was used to heal the wounds of those who had been wounded. Oil was also used to illuminate uh, the houses with, with the oil in the lamps that brought light into the midst of dark places. It was the oil that was used to signify that a man had been set apart for the priesthood and set apart for the ministry of the Lord. It was that oil that represented the presence of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, America, that what you need today is the oil of the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you, Coastal Bend region, what you need today is the oil of the Holy Spirit? Can I tell you, Eagle Fork Shale, what you need today is the oil of the Holy Spirit. The answer is not in petroleum, the answer is in the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. The answer is in a church on fire with the Spirit of the Lord. I wish I had some agreement this morning. I know I know you have experienced the oil in your life you came to church you were disgruntled you had a little spat in the car somebody lost the keys you didn't have any desire to worship came in frustrated tired been out of shape but it's Sunday morning gotta go to church There you were, standing there, wishing they'd stop singing. There you were, standing there, saying, why are they raising their hands? Why are they asking so many questions? Then all of a sudden, the oil of the Spirit touched your life. All of a sudden that 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 frustration left and your and your heart started to soften in the presence of God. All of a sudden that the anger left and the and the disgruntledness left and you began to worship God before you knew it. Your hands were in your air, in the air, and t- tears were streaming down your face. And you're saying, What happened to me? What what happened to me? I'll tell you what happened. The anointing of the spirit breaks the yoke. The anointing of the spirit brings liberty and it brings power. That's the answer for the world today. Enough with dead preachers preaching dead sermons to dead congregations. We need the Holy Ghost. Enough with dead choirs singing dead songs. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the anointing of the Spirit of God. Enough with dead parents trying to parent without the help and assistance of the Holy Spirit. Enough with dead marriages trying to make things work out without the help of the Holy Spirit. You want the answer? The answer is the Holy Spirit. The answer is the anointing of the Spirit of God. Some might say, Oh, pastor, you're preaching that old-fashioned crazy gospel. It's crazy, but it works sets the captive free. The Bible said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty. Freedom. Where God's spirit is. There's liberty for the soul. Liberty for the spirit of man. Where God's spirit is present. Chains fall off. Yokes are destroyed, the bondage and the bound are made free. He poured in oil. Two thousand years ago, Jesus told the disciples, Wait for me, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. He told 500 men and women on Mount Olive to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And of those 500, Only 120 were able to wait for 10 days. How long will you wait? How long will you linger in his presence? It's funny to me that we come into church and we ask God to come and visit us. And when he visits, we say, Oh, it's noon. Got to go to Shorty's. I got to get on out of here. It's time to go. And they waited. 120 of them hung in there. The Bible said that they were all gathered together. And all of a sudden, in that prayer meeting, all of a sudden in that place of waiting, all of a sudden as they waited on God, they heard the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were seated. The Holy Spirit fell upon the church. It came upon them with fire, and they began to speak in another tongue. The oil began to flow. The oil began to flow through the foot in the mouth, Peter. Before that moment, he couldn't say one thing without getting himself in trouble. That day, anointed by the Spirit, he stood up and began to preach. Words came out of some place he had never been in his own heart. And they began to articulate the gospel. And 3,000 people were saved that day because of the oil of the Spirit. Can I tell you that 2,000 years later the oil is still flowing? 2,000 years later the spirit is still moving. 2,000 years later the Holy Ghost is still anointing the church if she will allow herself to be used of God. I don't know if you want the oil though. The problem with oil is that it leaves a stain. Ever had that problem? When I was a kid I bought a uh, they probably bought it for me. I brought a tie I really liked and went to church and guess who was preaching that day? They brought in a preacher who had a five gallon bucket of olive oil and once you know it he was going to use every last ounce and he would dip his whole hand in that thing and his hand was like a bear claw and he would plop it on your head Whatever you were wearing was ruined. That oil fell down on my tie and ruined that tie. That's why some people don't want the oil, because the oil will ruin you. It'll ruin you for sin, the oil will ruin you for sin. Because when you go and try to sin the oil will call out and say that's not you anymore. That's not where you belong. You don't walk down that road anymore. You don't do that anymore. The oil says no. You can't just be quiet. You have to speak up. If they say they're sick pray for them. And that oil will set you out like a stain. I'm alright with that. He poured in oil. I know days in my life when God has poured in the oil to my soul. Wounded. Bleeding. Hurting. But God came and he poured in the oil. That precious ointment. The scripture says the oil of gladness. that comes to replace a spirit of heaviness. Depressed and discouraged but the oil came. Seeing no hope, but the oil cleansed out my eyes and gave me vision again. Coming to the end, and yet the oil gave me a new start. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Not only did He pour in the oil, He poured in the wine. The wine is that biblical symbol of the grace of God. You say, Pastor, how is it the grace of God? First of all, we see that Jesus said, I am the true vine. He said of Himself, He bore witness of Himself, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. He was saying, I am the one who came to satisfy all of the needs of man. I am the genuine article. Jesus is the genuine article. He is the true vine. Jesus is the difference between cola and Coca-Cola between Dr. Thunder and Dr. Pepper. He is the genuine article. He is the true vine. He is the wine that came, not watered down. It didn't come by man's devices, but it comes from the very throne of the living God. The Bible tells us that in the desert, when Moses gave the law to Israel, they were thirsty. The Scripture says that Moses struck the rock at the instruction of God, and out of that rock came flowing A river of water. The law gave water for provision. But Jesus said he had come to give us life in abundance. And so we see that in John chapter 2. Jesus is at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And they come to him. And they said Lord. uh, We ran out of wine. That would be like a Hispanic wedding. They'd go and say, Lord, we ran out of carne guisada. We ran out of mole. What are we going to do now? And Jesus said, it's not my problem. I'm a guest at this wedding. He said, but Lord, they've run out of wine. And he went over to to those stone pots that contained water. They contained that Old Testament symbol of God's provision. But He made more out of that provision. He turned that water into wine. He turned that Old Testament provision into a New Testament grace. He let us know that He was the wine that would come and satisfy the soul of men and the thirst of men. He is the wine that brings joy to the afflicted. He is the wine that brings joy to the most sorrowful heart. and He wants to pour in Himself into your life. That's what it's all about, friend. You need to get full of Jesus. You need to get full of the Holy Spirit. You need to get full of God. That's where the answer is. You say, Pastor, couldn't you you give me something that's a little bit more mainstream? It doesn't get any more mainstream than this. You need Jesus today. America needs Jesus. Beville needs Jesus. Kingsway needs Jesus. You need Jesus. He is the wine. True and genuine article. And finally, the Bible says that He took him, He sat him on his beast and He cared for him. Do you know that God cares for you? Alright, two of you know that. The rest of you, I want to inform you this morning. God cares about you. So many people think God hates them. That God's against them. God is against your sin. God is against your depravity, but He is for you. Your soul is precious to Him. So precious, in fact, that He gave His Son to die on the cross for you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. The Bible said, For God so loved the world that He gave. He so loved the world that He gave what? He gave a million dollars. He gave a billion He gave all the oil or all the gold? No. He gave a son. Which son? One of many? No. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Friend, God cares for you. He cares for you the way no other will care for you. You may have great friends in this world, but you'll never have a friend like Jesus you may have a great spouse, but he is the lover of your soul. He is the, the, the one who cares so deeply for your soul. The Bible says that while you were enemies, he loved you and he gave himself for you. I think about this Samaritan. He did this for a stranger. He did it for a man he didn't know. A man that he didn't necessarily care about. A man whose name he didn't know, but a man that he was moved with compassion towards. And I want to tell you this morning that so is the love of God toward you. While you were yet a stranger, today you may be a stranger to God. You may not know His love. You may not know His power. But He loves you. And His love is toward you. He said, I have set my love upon you. What does that mean, preacher? That means you'll never be able to outrun the love of God. He'll chase you down every alley. He'll he'll chase you into the darkest hole that you can find for your soul. And there in that pit, He'll remind you that He loves you. That His uh, compassion is great. That His mercy has been extended. And that His grace is for you. He took care of Him. The Bible tells us to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. God cares for you so much this morning. He's come to your encounter. He's come to say to your soul, let me pour in the oil. Let me pour in the wine. Let me care for your soul. Have you been stripped in this life? Have you been the the, uh, target or the victim of a... Of a strategy of the devil. Have you been robbed of your peace? Have you been robbed of your joy? Maybe somebody has robbed you of your faith. Maybe somebody has robbed you of your hope. I want to introduce you again to Jesus. He is greater than the thief. The thief came to take. Christ came to give. The thief came to destroy. Christ came to restore. And he wants to restore Your soul. The Bible said the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And He leads me beside the quiet waters. He anoints anoints my head with oil. And my cup runneth over. What a promise. He says He anoints my head with oil. He makes it certain and sure. That I have the unction and the anointing that I need. And This morning. If you say Pastor. I need it. I need a touch from heaven in my soul. I need a touch from God in my soul. I need God to work in my heart. He is available this morning. He is available to you. And He says, come. Come all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. You'll never find an offer such as this. You may look all over the world, friend. But only Christ can do that. And let me just remind you of this. Everybody else passed you by. No one else could save you. Ultimately, I think that's the message for America today. We've been passed by by religion because religion can't save. We've been passed by by government because government can't save. We've been passed by by philosophy because philosophy can't save. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can deliver your soul. Would you stand with me, please, in the presence of the Lord? And just with your head bowed, if you would, I want you to make up in your mind I need his touch this morning. And I have to get it. I'm not going to leave here without a touch from heaven. I'm not going to leave here without a touch from God in my life. You see, it'd be a shame this morning for you to leave the house of God and not get what you came for. It'd be a shame for you to leave the hospital and not get the medicine that your soul needs. Do you know Christ is your Savior? Have you made Him Lord in your life? The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead That you will be saved It's just that simple The conditions have all been met by Christ What God requires of you is that you believe Him. and That you receive by faith His offer of salvation. I'll tell you, friend, today, if you hear God's voice, you feel the tug of God on your heart, say yes to Christ. Because sin will take you further than you can go, than you want to go. It will cost you more than you can afford to pay. and It will leave you abandoned on the side of the road. Christ Christ is your life he's your future he's your present he's the healer of your past he is the restorer of what has been broken in your life today he says I love you with an everlasting love I've set my love upon you And so if you would say, Pastor Isaac, this morning, I want to make things right with God in my life. I want to give Him my life. you would say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I need Him to save me from sin and from myself. I'm going to pray for you. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity to come. And if that's you, I want you to come with an open heart to God. What you need is Jesus, and Jesus is here. Father, I thank you for grace and mercy extended to sinners. I thank you that in our brokenness and in our affliction, in our trials, in our troubles, you remain faithful and you remain good. And this morning, I would ask that if there's anyone in this room who has not made a commitment of their heart, to you as their savior or has strayed away from that commitment I pray this morning that you would bring conviction on their heart the conviction of sin and of wrath and of judgment let them become convinced of the fact that they need you this morning and I ask that in your grace you would not let them leave this house without feeling the pull of the spirit saying it's time. It's time for surrender. It's time for healing. It's time for deliverance. I ask you this in Jesus' name. Now, if you would say, Pastor Isaac, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ this morning. I've been running. I've been running for too long. Would you come? Just step out of your pew and come stand with me up here this morning. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you in any way if you say I need Christ he knows where you are he knows exactly where you are and what you need he calls out to you in love he's saying it's your turn it's your time I appointed this day for you today if you hear his voice don't harden your heart friend say yes to Jesus Say yes to the Savior. Let him in.